This is always the drunkest episode of the season. Yeah, for sure. We're both drunk already. We've te- I've taken down four. You've taken down four, four of the Christmas yeah. Ep- yeah, Christmas beers already. We're going to talk about what we've drank. Before yeah, we yeah of course. Does, right. this, does this... Does the drunkenness make this movie better or worse? It should make it better. This movie... But it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't no, it didn't it have it. It didn't have it. Chuck Norris... Amer- Our first Chuck Norris movie ever. American Legend. What a fucking dud. American Legend. Does, but well, okay, but but now I'm forced to ask this question. What are the good Chuck Norris movies? I don't know. All I can think of Delta that, Force? I don't even know what that is. Is it good? What? Yeah, I've never seen it. Um I I know him from Game of Death, which I know is not a Chuck He's Norris. He's in that for like ten seconds. But it's a good fight. They have a good He's battle. In fucking, isn't he in Enter the Dragon? Yes. Yeah. So he he shows up and does some good shit in Bruce Lee movies. And I definitely watched um, his Marshall show. Walker, Texas yes. Ranger? Yeah, I definitely yeah. watched Walker, Texas Ranger. And he stars in that. He has a big rep, right? Like, we all know that but Chuck that's Norris all has memes. big reps. Yeah. And it does not and hold up and- into this bullshit movie. <laughs> I, I was coming in here with Canon Films Chuck Norris. I yeah. was like, this we is going we to be fucking lights out. And yeah. after four beers... Um, from our four Christmas draft, five yeah. and a half, five and a half, yeah. So we've had lots of beers today, but I've drank four of my Christmas draft beers on top of the other beers. If you didn't listen to the Christmas beer draft, you can find go it back right and now. do that. Yeah, that was the bonus um, episode. This was not what I had hoped for. Well, that's kind of a spoiler for the ratings part of this episode, but I guess we'll just move forward. People are going to hang well, on just for the drunkenness. They're hoping we're going to say a career-limiting thing, I think, oh at some God. point in this. yeah. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And uh, it's our Christmas episode, although holiday cheer, hard to find at this point. Nolan's coming in real fucking hot here. Hey, I'm happy to be here with you enjoying some delicious beers. Aw, same. Yeah, um, I wish that this fucking Invasion USA was better than it was. Is it Chuck? Is it Canon? Is it the writers of this piece of fucking garbage? I mean, you can't separate Canon from the writers of this piece of fucking garbage. They're the ones that fucking paid those writers and made this movie. I feel like the great people at and Canon. Chuck Norris is the least responsible. The people at Canon Films, those great people, they they trust in their writers to do a good job. And uh, they that did trust not, was misplaced. They did not review the script in this <laughs> No, sir. Uh, so we are discussing Invasion USA. We're taking a break from Holiday Horror. But I got to say, after this uh, very tepid response from you, maybe next year we go back to Holiday Horror. What do you say? Yeah, I'm down. Uh, also, the Christmas connection to this is weak at best. Come on. It's what happening are you talking at Christmas. about? Come on. We see people fucking decorating Christmas trees in the mall. There's Christmas shopping. Tell me the percentage of this movie that was Christmas related. Two to three percent. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> How much do you need? More than that. Although I did enjoy that it enabled us to do this American. I was gonna say I don't know, we're shitting on the fucking yeah. American beer invasion. I've had some really fucking good uh, beer today. I'm not shitting on the invasion. Hopefully, got a couple more to come. I mean, shitting on the movie. Uh, this craft beer invasion we got from the fine folks at the Fatty Beer Company have been going down pretty well. I know they pulled together quite the. 24 pack for us yeah. i've taken down four you taken down four are there any highlights for you in the four that you've drank i already? think we should talk about this at the end but no yes. no, no i think we no. should bring out a little bit now we always get too drunk by the end we should just I bring mean, a little bit out now my my second overall pick the allen's coffee breakfast stout was just fucking terrific it's a top shelf stout and a great way to start my day uh and i also had the volcano sauce which we know is good 
And a lovely uh, course from the fine folks at 42 North. So I've, I've enjoyed most of my selections. Even the fucking IPA I had to drink wasn't that terrible. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Well, uh, right at the top of the four I've drank is that Florette. That's the, the one, number one. Ooh, yeah. I traded for that, and it was definitely a good trade. It's That was solid. I even no, I didn't mind ooh. that. It was very smooth. Yeah, other half has done a great thing here with the Florette's um, IPA. Uh, in a close uh, second place, though, not far behind, was the Apple Kolsch. This Fuck, thing, man, that was good. That ooh. was one that you snaked for me, and I was sad about it. And I, I having, I got, you gave me a little sip of it, and it only reinforced how angry I was that you drafted that one. Instead of Apple me. by Kolsch is delicious. Uh, I've good also, stuff. I've also had that uh, New England uh, Pale Ale, which was delicious, and also the uh, Oatmeal Stout, which was, uh, which was not bad. I've got two left. In mine, I've got Same. I've got the double IPA from uh, our Fiddlehead Brewing Company. I'm going to save that one to last, and then I'm excited to try this Karuba Collision. That's that interesting fruit sour here, and I will pass a little bit across the table too. Oh, I know that I'll do the same with my that. number one overall pick, which was the uh, a dark bloom. American Stout. That's an eight percent. I'm not sure how I ended up with that close to the end. That seems like bad planning on my part, but. We're going to do it, man. Yeah, so we, we've already kind of discussed the beers we're going to enjoy for this as we round out our American beer invasion and talk about this shit fucking movie, <laughs> Invasion USA. It was a little disappointing, I suppose, but we're going to go through all of that. Uh, but first, why don't we crack open a couple of these beers and fucking get into it? What do you say? Oh, yeah. He's eating a fucking bon me right now. Oh, it's, it's fucking it's, good. <laughs> our professionalism is... On point right now. Bonnie's keeping me from falling off of my Merry chair. Christmas, everybody. Yeah, Merry <laughs> Christmas. Get yourself a wonderful Bonnie sandwich. So after the classic MGM and Canon Group logos, we fade in on a solitary boat floating in the Atlantic Ocean. Aboard that boat are several Cuban refugees hoping to begin a new life in Florida. But despite one particularly sad-looking boy hoping they'll make it, we quickly see that that may not be the case. Not only will the boat's motor not start, but another boat arrives, seemingly to welcome them to America, but instead the crew absolutely mows down everyone on board, just straight up murders them. And I should mention that the captain on this American boat looks super evil, so great casting by them. <laughs> yeah. We know that some big bads need to be built quickly, and that is built on the back of these Cuban refugees. They get excited when they see an American flag boat. It almost looks like a Coast Guard boat, but they come up here and just fucking shoot the shit out of all these refugees. They murder them all, and then they produce a Cuban-looking man from their boat who says check under the deck and what happens to also be on that refugee ship well yeah it turns out this boat wasn't just bringing illegal aliens to florida it was also transporting not an insignificant amount of cocaine invasion usa reads the sudden title card we are fucking right into this the suddenness of this card was jolting and it only lasts for the briefest of seconds i feel like they should have let it last a little longer it didn't even have an impact on me before we move off to our first shots of the movie. The music playing during this opening credit scene, there is only one way to describe it, and that is epic. Also epic, Chuck Norris's entrance to this movie. He is gliding through the Everglades in an airboat while the wind blows through his glorious 80s hair, <laughs> all while wearing nothing but denim. Now, it's not a full Canadian tuxedo because he's only got a vest and not a shirt-jacket combo, but he is fully denim down. Loving life in the Everglades. 
I'm assuming this is where he's retired after a hard life of murdering people. He's 100% retired. This this is just your action movie <laughs> fucking 101. Just a cliche. How like, many movies have we watched where they've had to pull out somebody from retirement to come so save many. the day? Double team, oh, for sure. Yeah, that's the one that jumps to mind first. But there's got to be like at least half a dozen movies we watch where this is the fucking plot. Every Charles Bronson movie oh ever. God, yeah, yeah, no, this is, um, <laughs> this is just... Calling it paint by numbers is an insult to paint by numbers as an art form. From there, we cut to the FBI arriving at a Florida harbor. And there's two things there of interest. First, a boat with several dead bodies on it, some of which sure look like the crew we just saw killing those refugees. And second, a reporter with a sassy mouth and giant 80s hair that will almost certainly f*** Chuck Norris later on in this movie. This was not a payoff that happened, and I was a little bit surprised. I don't even know why she's in this. She shouldn't be. She actually adds nothing to the film. But, sorry, that being said, there is no logistical plot point that makes any sense in this entire fucking film. (laughs) That's true, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of Chuck Norris, we see him wrestling gators in his free time while that extremely evil boat captain delivers some of that sweet, sweet cocaine to an almost as evil-looking guy. And how does that guy feel about it? We're ready to rock and roll here. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. My pleasure. He's all mine. Indeed. As the boat captain murders the floozy who is chowing down on this coke, then kills this guy's bodyguards before shooting him in the dick, we are right into the action here. Yeah, this guy from the start of the movie does not fuck around. He's killed the local drug dealers. He's also murdered all of those refugees and... How can it get any worse from here? I have no fucking idea. Maybe he wants to invade America. <laughs> that is true. Oh, shit. Well, we're going to find out about that very soon. Meanwhile, back at Chuck Norris's home base, we meet a couple of his friends, one of whom, John Eagle, is the most leathery human I have ever seen. He makes George Hamilton look like the guy from fucking Powder. <laughs> They chat for a bit, mostly about eating frogs, and then we cut to a guy in a suit rowing a boat up to the Norris estate. You thought this guy was a lawyer, but he's actually from the FBI or something. And he tells Chuck Norris the big news. Rostov is back in town, and they want him to come out of retirement to take him out. Chuck Norris' response? You should let me kill him when I had the chance. Now is your problem. So again, we have just a classic action movie scenario here. I am really struggling already because <laughs> we're, we're like six minutes into we're this thing. We're six minutes in, <laughs> and this thing is so lacking in character. It's so following such a ridiculous formula that I'm like, how can this continue for the next hour and a half? I'm not sure, but holy shit, am I struggling already? Well, it's not going to get any better in the next couple of scenes. As later that night, there's a party at some extravagant house, and one of the guests may or may not be the president of the United States of America. Uh, Either way, there are some guards there in shorts, which I feel really undermines their authority. Would you respect a guard in shorts? I fucking wouldn't. I mean, it's pretty fucking hot in Miami. They're also wearing safari hats, and the president of the United States is meeting with some African dignitaries, and Rostov is ready to sort of turn shit up a notch here oh that's putting it mildly rostov is of course there and he's got a bazooka aimed right at the house when suddenly a gun and silky smooth voice slide into frame not this time rostov it's time to die but this was all a dream 
not Chuck Norris's, which I assumed, but Rostov's dream. He wakes up in a cold sweat and tells the second in command they need to kill Chuck Norris before they commence the operation. Only then will the nightmare end. Also, these guys are Russian in case the name Rostov didn't give it away. This guy is definitely a pretty good choice for an evil villain. The He's got all kinds of scarring on his neck, and I don't think that's makeup. I think that's just who he is. Yeah, I've seen this guy in other things. He's in, like, Scanner Cop and a couple of other, like, uh, fucking kind of low-grade movies, and he seems to have the same uh, complexion in those, so I would say it's just his face. Yeah, it's pretty good casting, I guess, in that effect. So we've got this sort of russian vigilante who's coming to america and he wants to make the american people pay i think he's thinking that they're pretty soft at this point they're not really like ready for this kind of action if we're in the mid 80s we're still like late cold war yeah that's going on that's why the russians are the bad guys in this for sure um but there's no way that chuck norris is gonna let this guy get away with uh taking out america here no of course not but despite Rostov's henchman's protest, the bad guy's course of action has been set, so they gear up and approach Chuck Norris's home on more airboats. And what is Chuck Norris doing as they approach? Sawing wood like a man. Oh yeah, he's definitely demonstrating his masculinity here. He's sawing wood. By sawing wood, you do mean he's using a chainsaw. Yeah, I he's was, not doing the John Matrix fucking no. commando. Uh, I was hoping that he was going to use that chainsaw against these guys, but instead we see him transition into his house. And luckily for him, who pulls up just before those Russians arrive? Well, it's his old buddy, John Eagle, most tan man in the universe. Captain Leatherface arrives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He shows up and shouts out a warning uh, about the approaching assault before taking a couple of these guys out via shotgun. But it's basically 16 on 1, so his leathery skin gets wildly perforated. Chuck Norris drags his corpse ashore and lays him to rest underneath a pile of old, broken wood. What the fuck kind of burial is this? <laughs> Holy shit, we transitioned through a lot here. The Russians explode Chuck Norris's cabin, and he dives out the back window and survives. So, good for Chuck, he's lived. They think they've killed him, though. They think Chuck's dead. He goes and he grabs Leathery's body and he goes and he gives him the old sort of Viking funeral. He throws a... It's a redneck Viking funeral. Yeah, it's not a real Viking funeral. Well, it's not on a boat moving down the water, so you're no, right. No, he just lights sort of a bunch of wooden flotsam on top of him and then lights an old lantern and throws it there. Yeah, so he burns down his cabin, removing all evidence of, uh, I guess, his friend Leatherface and uh, where he used to live. He is alive, though, now, and he's going to take that airboat down to his friend's place, grab his truck, and he is now set hell-bent on revenge. He is. His friend's place, by the way, is a restaurant, John Eagle's restaurant. That's where his truck is parked. And as Chuck Norris solemnly turns the keys in the ignition, we know that Rostov is thoroughly and undeniably fucked. He's feeling confident right now, though, as he prepares to make history by performing the first invasion of America by a foreign power in 200 years. But according to you, that's all a bunch of horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> My Canadian history got me pretty upset at this one. As far as I understand it, the British and or Canadians invaded the United States in 1812 and burnt down the fucking White House. Allegedly. Allegedly. And then we said, okay, we're cool. We, we're even now. And we walked back to Canada and settled on the borders we currently have. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm going <laughs> to harp on this for the next 30 years. You know what? This is a negative one point in enjoyment for me for inaccuracy and historical oh, perspective. God. Well, regardless of historical accuracy, the invasion starts that very night, which is bad news for some guy in a banana hammock who just trying to nail his lady on the beach. 
And it turns out the only thing that's going to be docking that night are some boats, specifically ones carrying invading forces. And as all these extras run onto the shore, all I could think of was, what country are these guys from? Every country? I think I literally saw every kind of person here. It's a little disappointing. We're about to get a beach sex scene, and it gets interrupted by number two in command, Russian. He kills both the woman and the man who are about to bone down on the beach. They're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Then all of a sudden we have literally vehicles that look like they're storming the beaches of Normandy. We have boats that are carrying soldiers that hit the shore, drop open a front, and like, I don't know, hundreds of guys pour out? Not thousands, I would say hundreds. It's a homeless man's version of Saving Private Ryan. It's really, really poorly done yeah. here. Um, you're right, they are coming from all kinds of different nationalities. I don't understand... We have a like a weird group of people heading to and up the beach, and they all run off and head into some trucks ready to send them for deployment. We've got an active invasion here, Invasion USA. <laughs> we do. And perhaps sensing that something is wrong, that guy in the suit from earlier finds Chuck Norris dining alone at a particularly appealing-looking food spot. He's upgraded to the full denim shirt now, and he tells the suit guy, I'll take the assignment. But remember... I work alone. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he doesn't need any money. Action else. movie cliches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We've got the two Russians like sitting at a beachside hot dog shack talking about how America is going to be different in 18 hours from now. This would not happen in today's America. Like, there's so many people who carry arms that there's no chance that a small invading Russian army would do fuck all. Well, the key word there is small because they don't have that many dues. If their plan is to take over America, they are, they are not bringing enough guys for that, even close to a little bit. I would say sub a thousand. We're like not even at a thousand guys. A couple here. hundred? Yeah, at max. They might be able to take over Miami for a couple minutes. Yeah, there's no yeah. credible threat to the like United States of America in what is happening in this story. And I just kind of find it strange and not very compelling. That's fair. Uh, well, the next morning, the FBI have found those invading boats, and so is that reporter from earlier who snaps the agent's pictures and basically taunts them. Hey, guys, smile. You got any words of wisdom for the press? Right. Well, let me rephrase it. You got any idea what the hell's going on around here? But an incompetent bureaucracy isn't the only thing that catches her eye. She also zeroes in on Chuck Norris, trying unsuccessfully to get a word with him before he disappears. And at this point, you may be asking yourself, aren't we watching this for a Christmas episode? What the fuck does any of this have to do with Christmas? Yeah, we've got nothing so far. We've got what I can only describe as a potential love interest that is going nowhere with this reporter and Chuck Norris. They had an opportunity there to like make a connection, but instead they decided to make him disappear. But they still, she got a look at him and she was very intrigued. Oh, yeah, which makes you think it's going to come back and do something later. All I can think of is that they did plan or even film a relationship between them and it didn't work in the end takes. Yeah, there's something here that we don't ever get to, which is a little disappointing. But in our next scene, we do get that Christmas connection as Rostov's forces move in on an idyllic American neighborhood, which unfortunately for the uh, residents means it will not be a silent night. And sure enough, a bazooka blast completely wipes out a family who just wanted to decorate their tree, along with several other community members who are just trying to enjoy the holiday season and or f*** their girlfriend. <laughs> that was dangerous. I had, I had a beer full of mouth. Uh, I had a beer full of mouth there, a mouthful of beer. Um, as you said, that statement, it nearly ended up all over my lap. 
So uh, that was a bit of a surprising situation. It's definitely number one and number two in the Russian command out there um, looking to disturb an American Christmas. And they do so by firing off a rocket launcher. What had me really angry was they never reloaded it. They blew up about six to eight houses. <laughs> it's a single rocket launcher. But, but it is a single rocket shots. launcher. Yeah. And, and it had me very, very frustrated. Um, they clearly are not in the spirit of Christmas at this point. But I'm hoping Chuck Norris is going to bring this back on them here. Does that couple in the car end up making it out of there or no? They didn't show a car blown up. So they might have like got to f***ing and have sex to completion. Yeah. I don't think America's really in jeopardy. But who's going to hold that against them? Nobody, that's who. They should hold their bodies against each other. He's, oh, there you go. Uh, from here, we transition to a South Miami community center and a couple of bitchin' dudes in the prowl. Shout out to our Nightmare Beach episode from season three. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, we, <laughs> we haven't seen enough bitchin' dudes on the prowl. These dudes lately. are on the prowl, man. Yeah. They are enjoying some kind of holiday festival when a couple of cops roll up looking to spoil the fun, which they do by blowing these revelers away with shotguns. And I don't know about you, Noel, but I'm starting to think these guys might not be real cops. Yeah, we've seen a bit of impersonation of the military here by the Russian Corps. They are just trying to create unease in the streets. They're trying to rile people up. And it works because when the actual police show up to this shooting, the people of this club throw rocks and send them away pretty quickly. Are we moving ourselves into a purge scenario here? We're getting to a place where... The people on the streets are not trusting the military and the police, and they're going to do whatever they can to protect themselves. I mean, it seems dangerously close to that. The community is definitely in an uproar here. There's tension on the streets, and Chuck Norris is taking it all in as he drives around Miami, encountering several unfriendly faces. He remains stoic, of course, eventually pulling into Gill's spot, a seedy bar where they don't tolerate tourists. Here's a quote that sums it up well. I don't think I know you, pal. Makes us even. I don't know you either. You don't have to know me, asshole. Are you buying or selling? Just looking. No, 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 no. You don't look here. This ain't no peep show. You got business, do it. You got that hump? Chuck Norris does not understand, and he breaks a beer bottle in this guy's hand. He's there for information, see? And he kind of gets it from some guy at the bar. Yeah, this section is getting a little bit strange. Increasingly, we're seeing disorder in the streets and all kinds of shit happening. It doesn't seem like we have any kind of consistency in the way people are acting, and he needs to find out where he can find Rostov before it's too late. Things in America seem to be going south really quickly here. They really are. Uh, but you know who else is looking for information? That reporter who is getting stonewalled all over town. The news knows what's up, though. As we see in our next scene, they are reporting on the seemingly random acts of violence happening all over the city. But we're still left with more questions and answers, especially after a bunch of dudes we've never seen before enter into a random bar with topless ladies dancing. Who are these guys and what is going on here? I am very confused at this point. Yeah, this is fucking weird. These are kind of <laughs> old men who... Uh just sort of decide that they're going to insert themselves in the story. The one of them, though, connects with a Spanish woman right away. and uh, I don't think that lady's Spanish. Yes, she is. She speaks in Spanish. She looks she like a looks, white woman. Yes, she does. I agree, but she's speaking in Spanish the entire no time. Because no white woman can speak Spanish. No, no, no. She's uh. not. She's there. She's, she's going to bone down on this guy who has connections to the Russians. Clearly, this is just like regular Miami street gangster kind of people. Um, but do you understand what's happening in the scene or no? 
The only reason for this scene is Chuck needs some in to find Rostov, and he's going to do it through this random gangster guy. Well, that is true. It turns out these are just random dudes that Chuck Norris tries to get information from. He is on a one-man quest to find Rostov, and he is knocking on every door in town. But this door has some Cuban goons behind it. So almost an hour into this movie, we finally get a Chuck Norris fight scene. Kind of. He kicks one guy in the chest, then pulls out a grenade, which he hands to the guy he was just interrogating. He also hands him a warning, saying, If you live through this, tell Rostov, it's time to die. That's a pretty good line. I would say the one-liners in this are actually one of the redeeming factors. Yeah. The fact that there were some pretty good, funny one-liners, and this one is not a bad one, right? The one he hands him the grenade and he walks out on him. The woman he was going to bang has already run away, and things are looking <laughs> bad for yeah. this guy. I'm like, this is pretty funny. I like it. So we leave him with a grenade there. He throws the grenade out the window, and it explodes a car that some guy was taking really nice care of. Before. You're okay with that, right? A car explosion from a grenade? You just don't like when bullets explode a car? I'm absolutely okay with car explosions. Okay, that's good. I had we no problem with that. We a major hurdle here. We actually haven't seen a ridiculous car explosion it's for been something a while. stupid in a while, yeah. and, and and it's going okay with me. I'm happy that that didn't happen here. You're at peace. I'm at peace. With the absence of bullets exploding cars. Yeah, I'm not happy with this movie, and I think that Aww. that definitely could have been a part of this movie. I would have seen that like logically fit in what was happening but wouldn't here. it have made you more angry? Way more angry. Yeah, and I'm so happy it, it didn't good happen. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to put that on my plus side. That's going in the good side of my rating. My enjoyability <laughs> is they didn't blow up a car with bullets. Very good. Uh, from here, we transition to a mall where Christmas shopping is in full swing. Some wiener kid with a bowl cut strolls in chewing gum and then spits it out and throws it on a car that's on display in the middle of the mall, which you thought was like some kind of distraction. But I sort of think it just randomly happened because while there is a guy from Rostov's crew there trying to plant a bomb, he's fucking awful at it. So I don't think this the whole thing was like planned out. Yeah, this wasn't a good one. This is the Russian guy who we saw earlier with a tiny penis. <laughs> He was hanging out. Wait he was second, he was hanging out in just a speedo, and you could yeah. see that his dick was small. And then um, <laughs> he decides to put on a suit for this scene, and he thinks he's going to hide but a bomb. What's the plan here? This you, guy like just leaves this package behind in the most obvious fucking way to the point where a guy literally tries to chase him down, yelling, "Sir, you left your package, sir!" Like, come on. This is their next plan after fucking up like other local like. I don't know, what was it, like Christmas Eve dances and shit, they decide that they're going to fuck up the mall. It's terrorism. They're trying to instill terror in they're the They're trying to make everyone Miami. fear, and, and it's working a little bit until whose car fucking drives through the mall doors and starts to shut this shit down. <laughs> it's, it's obviously Chuck Norris. Yeah, we know who's fucking yeah. coming. It's Chuck. He's in the same fucking truck that he had from the start of this movie. That wouldn't be a heat score at all. No. <laughs> but here, here's my question about this. How... Does he, Chuck Norris know this is all going down? He followed Tiny D Ted. He knew that Tiny that Cuban D guy Ted was going to be coming here. And uh, that I think you're right. The Cuban guy told him, follow Tiny D Ted to the mall. Yeah. And then that will lead you to like Montoya. It will get you to your man. Sorry, Montoya? Oh, well, I just threw it out Rostov? there. Rostov? Well, it is Rostov, clearly. <laughs> but who is the evil villain in the movie where Montoya is the final villain? The Princess Bride? Montoya's yes, not yes, a bad yeah, guy. No, he's a good guy. What is no, happening no. right now? <laughs> now <laughs> okay. Christmas episode, you're, you're everybody. Christmas you are episode. beard out. 
I have one more. Fatty and beer. I am, I am drinking the Fiddlehead the double. Brain. I'm drinking the double IPA Fiddlehead yeah. right now. I'm down Jesus. to my last beer, and things are fucking glorious. Well, as we mentioned, Chuck Norris blazes into this mall, driving his truck, smashing through the doors and the stores and everything else. But he just fucks shit up right away, shooting and punching and mixing it up. There's not enough punches. Uh, you say punching. He's punching the guy through the car window. Yeah, he, oh, which oh was my hilarious. God. Oh, God. Come we got to come back to that. So Chuck Norris grabs onto a Jeep that's driving come through the mall. Come back to it. We're at it right now. Yeah, well, he's Talk driving about. through a me. <laughs> he's driving. <laughs> his fucking Jeep is in the mall and is fucking plowing its way through. And we have a shot of him throwing haymakers into a window. And we're just getting obnoxious punch sound effects and i'm laughing my ass off yeah it's like a guy clapping two wood blocks yeah together. It's, it's fucking very amazing silly. it's fucking amazing so this is the best shot in the entire movie i mean <laughs> i'm throwing it out there i'm throwing it out there um this guy who planted the bomb tries to take off in that nissan the kid threw the gum at but uh, chuck norris is in hot pursuit along with that reporter that i'm still convinced he's going to nail and we embark on a fairly decent chase scene here that hits all the beats you would expect. There's tense music, they catch some air in a couple of small hills, and there's another lady hanging off the Nissan that Chuck Norris has to get close enough to to grab. And of course, the whole thing ends with the bad guy's truck smashing into some parked cars and exploding. Mission accomplished, Cannon Group. <laughs> this, of all the action sequences, is actually one of the ones that's kind of okay. It's the most stereotypical, but it does hit all those beats. They don't do anything wrong here. No, it's fine, right? He saves Juicy Jenny, and they're driving down the street. Juicy's able to grab onto her friend and pull sorry. her off of that. <laughs> sorry. As you are referring to her, Juicy Jenny is the reporter that we saw earlier with the big hair and the sassy mouth. And the very well All right, come on now. Yeah, Let's every time she sees him... Her eyes roll back into her head, and we know what's going she on. She calls him cowboy. Yeah. She, she wants, wants to save to... a horse is what, yeah, what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know what to say to that, man. <laughs> Except Rostov is furious that Chuck Norris was at the mall. So he finds that Cuban guy Norris interrogated earlier and shoots him in the d too. This guy just loves blowing dudes' c off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a bit of compensation here. I feel like he's struggling with his sexuality, and so well, he now, keeps shooting guys in the Why is he struggling with his sexuality? You are making some wild fucking accusations I will hold here. to these accusations. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Oh, my God. Yeah. In our next scene, we learn two things. First, that the FBI is still on the case, kind of, as it turns out a bunch of them just aren't showing up to work, apparently. And second, the National Guard has been called in. And as soon as they say that, we cut to a tank rolling down the streets of Florida and guardsmen setting up barricades, all while Chuck Norris drives around in his truck looking for evidence of Rostov. But instead of him finding the bad guys, the bad guys find him as he's pulled over by some alleged military personnel. But these aren't really military personnel. So when they ask Chuck Norris to take out his ID, he takes out a couple of Uzis instead and blows them away. He does attempt to interrogate them first, though. Feel like talking? I didn't think so. But eventually he does find one willing to give up some information on where Rostov is. What do you think of this interrogation here? <laughs> I mean, this whole section is a bit much. The fact oh, that come on. the National Guard has been deployed on the streets of Miami. Yeah, this is a fucking invasion. The first foreign one in 200 years, they say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We really believe in that. And it's going so well for them. Chuck Norris has shut down most of this goddamn invasion. Chuck kills three of four and then takes the like fourth wounded one. He interrogates him. 
And we know that Chuck's going to find out some of the information he needs because this guy is a weak white Russian guy who is also a ginger. That's all we got here. <laughs> like, this is this is where we're going. We're told that gingers are the weak link. Yeah, we're, we're not gonna told go that. that we're we're gonna, yeah, no, we are told that. That's what happens in the movie. All right. In our next couple of scenes, we see that the streets of Miami have been turned into a war zone with middle-class families who just wanted to eat at the Cheesecake Factory left scrambling for cover. One group tries to find sanctuary in a nearby church, but Rostov's goons are fully prepared to blow it up. Unfortunately for them, there's a guardian angel watching over that church, and his name is Chuck Norris. All I was hoping for was him to be throwing some punches and doing some kicks. He really does not do that for a long time. This entire movie, all he is doing is shooting Uzis and like pulling bombs from where they're supposed to be. I mean, that's still action hero behavior. We'd all love for him to be like kicking some dude's head off, but it's I not happening right now. I would love if he kicked somebody's head off. It would have made this way more enjoyable. Well, true though that may be, Rostov's goons are everywhere now. They are even dressed as military personnel, so nobody knows who to trust, except Chuck Norris. He knows right away that these aren't really military guys, so he fucks their shit up by driving his truck through them while they're about to kill some civilians. That reporter's there too because she is always in the wrong place at the wrong time, but he saves her from Rostov's right-hand man, that guy who has her held hostage, and Chuck Norris just magically appears beside him and grabs his gun. Like, what? How did this guy not see him coming? I guess the answer is because Chuck Norris is a literal ninja, as he also catches the punch that reporter throws at him. Yeah, um... Juicy Jenny was dead to rights. Number two in command in the Russian group here, I think his name is Nico, is about to take her down. But all of a sudden, like you said, out of nowhere, Ninja Norris comes up and grabs the gun that's about to kill her and he shuts him down. Even killing him here, she goes to hit him. I think this is... Why? Why did she go to hit him? Because she's too aroused. Her arousal level <laughs> is beyond <laughs> compete. And she's so aroused that she can't help it. What's interesting is we never get to see her fulfill this arousal. And yeah. that, to me, is a missed opportunity. Well, and this will come up in my ratings as well for how bad this movie is. But, like, the absence of that completely removes the reason for her being in this movie. She does not end up reporting anything. Her role in this does not in any way, shape, or form move the plot along or like lead to a resolution. She's seemingly there to be the romantic interest, but nothing ever happens. It's a complete waste of character. The only thing I can think of is that they had filmed a sex scene and it was so bad that they decided not to include it. Or so good. It was Maybe too graphic. It was just, yes. She did actually like the Motion the Picture Arts and... Association found it so arousing they had to give it an X rating and so Cannon had to dial it back and cut it out completely. I mean, that would only happen if Chuck was actually inside her. Speaking of Chuck, he's still got to find Rostov, who I guess has turned his wrath on the youth of America. He's planted a bomb on a school bus, one that parents have just randomly put their kids on to get them to safety. But Chuck Norris isn't going to let something like that happen, so he drives up alongside the bus, grabs the bomb, then drops it in the terrorist car. To lose this? This movie is fucking ridiculous. Like, I'm so beyond struggling at this point. We have nothing left to hold on to here. There's no plot that is actually working. We are just getting scenes of Chuck saving people from getting destroyed by the Russians. No other follow-through, no other context, no other reason why we think this is a big deal. I mean, that's fair. The plot in this is extremely sparse. 
But what we find out in our next scene is that although Chuck Norris saved a literal busload of kids, there were a bunch of other kids at an amusement park that he didn't save. He is even more motivated to get Rostov now, and he's got a plan for how to do it. Although whatever this idea is, the guy in the suit from earlier thinks that it is suicide. Hunter, this is suicidal. I can't do this. The agency will never go for it. Do you realize what kind of cooperation this will take? Think of the risks. Think of the sticks. It is going to be difficult for him to go against whatever this large Russian invasion is company it? is. It shouldn't be because it seems like he's killed most of them. But what we're going to find out in a minute is that everyone who's died in this movie gets to come back and have a second life. All of the Russian people who came onto shore in that one scene are now going to get to live again in a invasion of an office building not that second in command guy he's still fucking dead chuck That's norris just killed him everyone but nico but there nico was the first yeah. one to die and you know what that was in context of setting up a great sex scene that we're sure is going to happen in the future but it actually doesn't this is some bullshit uh before we get to that office building scene you mentioned our next scene features rostov watching the news on tv and chuck norris watching old movies on his tv while a bunch of cops and fbi prepare to storm one of their two rooms and apparently it's Chuck Norris thereafter, as they smash through his door and windows to arrest him. The main agent has a message for him. Nobody, but nobody is beyond the law. And unless I'm wrong, this is literally the definition of cutting off your nose to spite your face. Okay, we can't catch the terrorist, so let's catch the guy who's killing the terrorist. That'll teach him to do our job. Yeah, this is bullshit. Why would they uh, arrest the man who is... Taking down all of these Russians who are fucking everyone over. He's but, making them look bad. But That's they why. do. He is making them look bad. So he's arrested. And of course, this means that the movie is over, right? He's going to go on trial and he's going to get uh, <laughs> like convicted for all of the actions he's done. That you were thought we're going to transition to a courtroom drama? Here? Yeah, no. I was. I kind of was hoping for that. No. I, I was hoping it was a sexy courtroom drama, just like the one we watched with Madonna and William Defoe. Body of evidence? Yeah, Jesus. if this is where that went, no. I would be much happier about what we're getting into. It's not what we're getting at all. Rostov hears news of the arrest, which excites him greatly. And as the police bring Chuck Norris in, he prepares to make his move. Whatever it is, though, he'll need to get it done before 6 p.m. As flyers drop from a passing helicopter, tell that reporter lady and us that a curfew will be in effect from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., Chuck Norris sends a slightly more menacing warning via the news media, telling Rostov that killing his right-hand man was easy and he'll be next. And I don't know about you, but I don't think Rostov's going to respond well to that. <laughs> you don't think he enjoys threats or being told that uh, it's going to be easy to take him down? No. No, this uh, graying like Russian man is starting to lose control all of the plans he's had have kind of been thwarted by Chuck Norris. And what's going to happen as he goes and pushes towards his final goal here? Well, with Norris locked up, Rostov decides to make his most aggressive move yet. He brings a whole bunch of guys to commandeer some armored vehicles, then lets them loose on the city while he takes to the skies in a helicopter. And call me crazy, but isn't it a bad sign that we've only got 20 minutes left to go in this movie and I have no idea what Rostov's objective is here? Is he just trying to create terror? He is definitely not going to take over America or even Florida with this assault. I am thoroughly lost at this point. He has also lost the plot. There is clearly no reason for him to be acting in this way other than he hates America, apparently. He thinks that Americans and their society is weak and Maybe that's a bit of a commentary on where they were at this point in the Cold War, but there's not enough to this movie to convince me that there's anything actually threatening or problematic for the country of the United States of America. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I don't really see a threat here or understand what's happening. But as if things couldn't get more confusing, Chuck Norris is just randomly free now, and he rocket launches a helicopter that does not contain Rostov. Instead, we find Rostov inside of some government or financial-looking building, like you mentioned, just shooting up rooms with his commandos or whatever, before suddenly exclaiming, that son of a bitch, it's a trap, which is it? Like, what is happening right now? I don't understand why they're here. They've all stormed this office building in Miami, and it's empty. They're firing all kinds of guns and bullets into it, and yet nothing is happening. And what we see outside is the military bringing in tanks and soldiers to surround them. We know that this is not going to go well for our Russian interlopers here. Well, that's the thing. When Rostov's goons exit this building, they find a lot of army types waiting for them. But that does not stop them from firing a whole bunch of shots at a passing helicopter, which ignites a massive firefight. We get quite a juxtaposition in our next scene, though, as Chuck Norris silently stalks into that government building and starts taking out Rostov's goons. I say silently, but he fires off his double Uzis multiple times. They should definitely hear him coming, right? Yeah, they definitely should hear him for sure, but we know this is a canon film, and it stars Chuck Norris, so everything is silent as we go into this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we cut back and forth here between inside and outside. More of Rostov's goons get killed by the military, while Chuck Norris stalks ever closer to his prey, finally swinging open an office door to reveal nothing but a well-made desk and an old-ass computer. But behind a different office door are a couple of goons that Chuck Norris gets rid of by shooting a pair of grenades through the wall, and this is where business starts to pick up. One guy isn't dead, so Norris has to throw a knife through his heart, and Rostov shows up with an AR-15 or some such, so Chuck Norris has to action hero roll into the hallway. Rostov! <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're supposed to be excited about the movie, but I'm so disgusted by what has led up to this and what is happening right now. You're just out at this point, eh? I give zero fucks. Yeah. yeah I'm just like, you have lost my entire investment. That is how far this has gone for me at the start to the end of this movie. They have completely lost the plot. Well, despite your negativity, this is uh, all going to end in fisticuffs, as it turns out. And we finally get to see Chuck Norris in action. He serves up a quick judo throw, followed by a couple of stiff kicks, and Rostov is reeling. Suddenly, Chuck Norris disappears, which allows Rostov to grab his bazooka. And I have to say, I do not understand this strategy from Chuck Norris. The dude is basically unconscious. Like, handcuff him or finish the job. Don't leave him to grab serious weaponry. Too cocky. Yeah, this is rough, right? Like, I don't understand why he allows him to get away. He's kicking the shit out of him. We've got very minor attack, like, abilities from him. We know Chuck Norris is a pretty, like, competent martial artist. Uh, yeah. And we're not getting any of that here. And then he lets him get away only so that our Russian villain can grab a fucking rocket launcher. Seriously. Now, the tide has turned outside as Rostov's men have surrendered to the superior might of the American military. But back inside that office building, Rostov has to like his chances, at least until Chuck Norris appears behind him, loading a bazooka of his own and telling Rostov, It's time. Before blowing out of a window and into a thousand pieces. And with that, Chuck Norris throws down his bazooka in slow motion and we enter the credits. No epilogue, no extra comments, no sexy with our reporter, nothing. What the fuck just happened? Did they run out of money here or what? <laughs> They definitely did not have enough left to create <laughs> a common ending. Yeah. Holy fuck, because it was rocket v. rocket. Of course, Chuck Norris gets his off first, blows up our Russian villain, and 
there is nothing to celebrate that ending. We know that the military outside, the Russian like kind of invading force has given up. We know that their leader has been blown to smithereens by Chuck Norris. Give me something to end this on a high note because the last 30 minutes of my life have been kind of wasted on pointless action and not enough good stuff. This whole movie is pointless action and not enough good stuff. It's just a terrible ending. It's just over. Most women would be incredibly unsatisfied with whatever just happened here. I'm incredibly unsatisfied with whatever just happened here. That's fair. I would feel the same way if this is how it ended my night too. Fuck, man. Bad times. Canon group. I don't know about this one. So we've reached the end here, and I don't know if we have anything else to talk about before we transition to our ratings. What do you think? No, I think ratings are fair. Let's just go into it. All right. Well, the way we always do this, we have to be on a scale of 1 to 10 two times. 1 to 10 for how bad it is. 1 to 10 for how enjoyable. And the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales, or what we call the Crit 20. I have to say, this is really, really bad. Like, I still don't totally understand the story. And that might be because they took the thinnest of premises and decided to stretch it out to an hour and 45 minutes. Not 90 minutes, mind you. A hundred and fucking five. But I don't get it, man. Like, why was the reporter in this movie? Why was anyone other than Chuck Norris, Rostov, and that guy who wanted Chuck Norris to come out of retirement in this movie? I'll tell you what I did like about this. Chuck Norris's outfits are pretty on point. <laughs> And his 80s hair and his steely demeanor. But that is it. The action isn't good. We get some gunfights, but barely any like uh, hand-to-hand fight scenes, which is what I think of when I think of Chuck Norris. Boo, Cannon Group. Boo. I have this as a 10 bad because it's really, really bad. What did you think? Holy shit, that was fast. We got to rating right away. Um, I love that you used a plural on outfit because the guy lives in a Canadian tuxedo for like 98% of this entire movie. No, we never see him wearing the denim jacket. You have to have the denim jacket to be a Canadian tuxedo. You got to have the shirt and the jacket. He only has the shirt. He has an unbuttoned full sleeve denim shirt and jeans A vest on. at different points, but no, you got to yeah. have the jacket. Okay, it's not right. a Canadian the tuxedo for jacket. Time no, he's wearing I denim. will die on this hill. All right, that's fine. Here's, here's what I'm going with. The story is absolutely bat shit makes no sense like it is out of control <laughs> yeah there there's no plot the uh, the story makes no sense i have this in all capitals this is insane to me the acting sucks ass i thought the guy who played the villain was decent he's an evil looking guy that is all you can say he's an evil looking guy yeah. and that's it the action was disappointing that's what i said how can you have a Chuck Norris movie and the action be so fucking disappointing? Do you like watching him shoot Uzis? Because if so, you got no. what you came for now. No, I do not. I don't want Chuck shooting Uzis. You want I, kicks. I want martial arts. Yeah. I want him fighting dudes, and there was not nearly enough of Barely that. Barely happens it at all. It sucked yeah. ass. The music sucks. There is no music to push the Well, mood. now hang on. No, you can't tell me this had a good soundtrack. All I will say is... The music is like, I would describe it almost as patriotic at points. Like when, <laughs> yeah. when they're trying to get yeah. you in the yeah. mood, like it's Chuck patriotic. Norris is coming yeah. for America. He's going to protect America. They are playing. There's like a fucking drum and like This is horns. one asshole playing some music, not even doing a very I good think it's job. at least two or three assholes. No, it's not high. You do not have a score here. You do not have a quality musical I said it was 10 bad. What do you think yeah, it is? No, it's fucking awful. The realism sucks. The sound effects sucks. This is fucking 10 bad if I have ever seen a 10 bad movie. All right. Well, how enjoyable did you find this on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I've drank a 
fucking lot of beer. We're both shit faced over watching this and drinking this. And my expectations everyone. were not met. No, I was expecting my expectations to be met. You thought you'd be fulfilled by Chuck Norris. I was not. You he thought he was gonna fulfill you up. He he didn't even come close to filling me. No, it was There's a hole inside of you. Yeah, and that hole has not been filled. Yeah, it's not been filled, and I'm really really sad. The only part of this that was kind of good were his one liners. There were some fun one liners. There was some kind of fun action. I appreciate what Canon Films is trying to do. But everything else did not live up to my expectations. There wasn't enough martial arts. The music and sound effects did not lead the day. The sound effects, in fact, were used for, like, ridiculous punching and kicking that didn't even exist. But that's kind of fun. No. No, it's not I fun. I find it kind of fun. I'm angry and sad you by what this has sad, produced. Yeah. I thought we were going to get more out of this, and it was really fucking disappointing. Okay. For enjoyable. You know what's funny is you... Ha- <laughs> you- you just very passionately shit all over this, and you have a higher enjoyable rating than I Oh, have. my God, really? Uh, yeah. I similarly felt unfulfilled. I thought we were going to get some sweet Chuck Norris karate scenes, and we do not until, like, the very, very end, and then it's very minimal. The plot is just complete nonsense. I can't follow it. I don't understand it. I did think the music was pretty fucking patriotic, but overall... This whole package just does not deliver. It's a it's a huge misfire, and I get what they're going for. Similar to what you said, you put Chuck Norris in this movie, you fucking just like we're gonna have some gunfights. It's a threat in American soil, but you need to have more. You gotta have some craft to this. They just don't have it. This is a sloppy fucking shit fest of a movie, which makes sense because you and I right now are very sloppy. We're fuck. It's a shit fest right here in the BMB podcast fucking studio. We're drunk as fuck. But this is bad. This is just all kinds of bad. I this is a two enjoyable. I don't want to give it a one because it's not as bad as like fucking Batman and Robin. But it's really fucking bad. I'm not going to argue with a two. I don't think I've given that many ratings below a four. No, you're very generous. Yeah. But I, I, and I love the Canon Films group, but yeah. this just wasn't it. Oh, yeah. This, this was a massive disappointment, a massive pile, but I don't think that our beer draft was. I was going to say, you know, it was not a massive disappointment. The, these six beers that we each drank from the Fatty Beer Company's 2023 advent calendar, some absolutely delicious beers from Western New York, as well as some neighboring states, Maine, Vermont. Do you want to run down your top six here real quick? Well, let's... Okay, so I, I would say, rather than going through every single one of them, your best beer of the six that you drafted, what was the best one that you had today? I'm not going to be limited by your best beer sort of standard here because I need to go further <laughs> than that. Uh, I will say that the one that I had on top was the other half Florette, which I didn't we traded even draft. For, yeah. Yeah, I traded. That was a pure strategy move. I knew you were going to want that, so I made sure I didn't have to end up with the double IPA. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. I can't believe how crushable and delicious that beer is. Second and slightly surprising on my list is the Karuba Collision. You Holy like fruited sours? Fuck, I do like fruited sours, but I was not expecting this thing to be so good. It was amazing. The K2 Brothers Brewing Company have produced quite a delicious beer here. Third on my list was the apple that pie. That was also really fucking good, yeah. That cool. Your, your first two picks are in your top three, and that that to me really says something about how you drafted this. It's a smart strategy by you. It, uh, they were really, really good. The others after that were okay, but in terms of the ones that stood out for me, my God, other half IPA, Karuba, 
sour and the Stoneyards apple pie kolsch were all fucking amazing. I really, really enjoyed taking those three down. That's good, man. For me, my number one by far was actually my second pick of the draft, which was the Allen's Coffee Breakfast Stout from the Lone Pine Brewing Company. Really, really good. The breakfast milk stout with the Allen's Coffee Extract. I actually had that one first today, and I feel like it was a great starter beer, breakfast beer, if you will. Flavorful and delicious. Really fucking good. I had Volcano Sauce at number two. What a fucking great beer that is. And again, the Aslan Brewing Company. It's a great fucking pull by the Fatty Beer Guys. It's funny that number one and two on our list were trades, right? Both of us gave those up. We, oh, they, no, I had the breakfast deal. That was that was my second pick. No, but my number one pick and your number two pick, we traded to each other to yeah, make that Yeah, because you fucking told me you weren't going to take Volcano Sauce and took it right after you fucking said that because you're an asshole. Well, that's only because you took the broccoli. <laughs> our listeners may not realize. You took the broccoli and I needed it. I took it because I knew you wanted it, and I wanted to fucking trade and shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then I needed the broccoli as a weapon to trade it back, and fair you know enough. what? It turned out to be what we both wanted. All right, that's fair. My third uh, best beer of the day, that Where Else Would You Rather Beer Coles from 42 North, the one that had the very strong Bill's theme. My first overall pick, the uh, A Dark Bloom, only my fourth favorite beer of the day. It definitely had a, a, like, a, a sweet stout flavor. It was almost like too sweet for me. That's why I had to kind of drop it down. It was really interesting. I you gave me a sip of that one, and it it made an impact on me. Like Crazy it, smooth, yeah. It yeah. creates quite the flavor, and it gives you quite the impact. But it's something that you wouldn't want to take in large quantities. Like no. that would set you down if you wanted to drink more than one can of that shit. Full disclosure, I had a cup of coffee here with me while we were recording this episode, and I actually poured it into the coffee, and it was fucking delicious. So like, it that tells you how sweet it is. It will sweeten up a cup of coffee, give it a little like beer alcohol flavor, and I loved it in that. But on its own, yeah, the tall can a bit too much. Like in a, in a in a regular size can, I would have probably enjoyed it more. Still tasty. Glad I drafted it, but as a first overall pick for it to be my fourth favorite beer, I don't want to call it disappointing, but it was uh, not quite what I expected. So I won the draft. I mean, you, <laughs> you usually do. Although I will say, out of my six beers I drafted. I had to drink the uh, the Hayburner American IPA, and that was not bad. Like all That's told, it's my yeah, it is, but like yeah. only because I don't like IPAs. But in general, like, I did not regret having drink that. My my least favorite of the day was the uh, Baby Kittens from Fat Orange Cat, but that is just not my style. That IPA, traditional IPA flavor, not for me. But you enjoyed it. I gave yeah, you a sip. I, I had a good sip. sip of that. I you know what was interesting was the oatmeal stout was maybe the one that was the bottom of our twelve drink pile and. I don't know that that is like, I don't think that's indicative of the brewery, but it, in compared to all the other flavors and things we had, it was just sort of kind of standard and a little bit alcoholy. You know, I, I agree, but this, this was just like a fun adventure from the Fatty Beer Company. So I really am glad we did this and shout out to them. And again, if you want to hear more about their beers or see what's coming up in the next few days in the advent calendar, go to Fatty Beer on Instagram. Check out uh, Fatty Beer Live. They're there most days talking about the beers from the advent calendar. You can learn more about what's coming next or go back and watch the ones that we've already drafted and talked about. But I would say a very successful Christmas beer draft. Oh, I definitely agree. That was a lot of fun. I am definitely ready to uh, shut it down pretty soon here and uh, head to bed <laughs> after drinking all say, these wonderful beers. I and, need a uh, fucking nap, but we'll come back next year and do that. And uh, in terms of our next episode, you can hear us two weeks from now talking about a, a very noteworthy bit of 90s horror. We're going to be covering Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, they say. There's no way that's his last it movie. It is not the final Friday, <laughs> no, but that's what they said at the time. 
That's what they were projecting, right? I mean, you got to market yourself. It can't be worse than this piece of 80s action that we just watched. That's got to be better than this. I mean, who's to say? We'll find out in a couple of weeks, and you can find out with us by coming back. But before then, if you have not already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. If you have any suggestions, we're starting to book for our next season. Fourth season's already full, so number five coming up here, and uh, we are looking for beer and or movie suggestions, the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. Definitely, we always love to hear from you, and you hope you'll join us in a couple of weeks' time for our first January episode ever. We normally take a break January, February, but this year we are going straight through all the way to June. It's going to be Jason Goes to Hell, but we do thank you for joining us today. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. R-O-C-K in the USA. Keep it up. We'll have to watch a different Chuck Norris movie. We have to, because yeah. this was like the biggest disappointment I've had in my Chuck Norris life. America wasn't ready, but he was.